broken. We do need Jesus. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I need him just as much today as the day he saved me. If we're going to be effective in the kingdom of God, it has to be by his power. It's so good to be here with you tonight. Thank you so much for um, taking the opportunity to come out and be a part of what the Lord is going to do right here in this place this evening. Uh, always a blessing to be here with you. I know that there are several other places you could have been tonight, but I'm thankful you've made the decision to come out and be a part of these Bible studies right here tonight. Um, it's good to be back with you tonight, and I miss being uh, gone from you last week. I know that Brother Jason did a fantastic job. I know he preached the Word of God to you, and I'm so thankful that he was able to come, but I missed being here with you. I missed last week because of a blessing. Uh, now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I didn't say it was a blessing not being here last week. I said I missed because of a blessing. There's a difference. Um, and my blessing was I became an uncle again. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And that's, it's truly a blessing to our family. My uh, brother and his wife, Brandy, had their first baby. Um, Bristol Lee Price was born last Wednesday evening about 6.45, and uh, right when church was starting. And um, she was uh, 8 pounds, 4 ounces, just as pretty as a speckled pup. I tell everybody she looked just like her uncle. I told my... I told my brother that, and he said, well, pray for her. Maybe she'll grow out of it. So, uh, but, man, they're doing great. She's doing good, and I know that they desire your prayers. Me and Brandy went up there last night and seen uh, him and Brandy for, uh, and the baby for a little bit, and he was just telling us that, you know, they, they still just don't have a clue. He said, man, they tickled to death, but as far as knowing what to do, they don't know what to do. And I said, join the crowd. I'm not sure I even know what to do yet. I mean, I'm. I'm still learning. All I know to do is love them and teach them the best I can, bring them up in the nurse and admonition of the Lord and pray and let Jesus do the rest. That's all we can do, isn't it? And that's what I told him. And so um, um, y'all pray for them, though. I know they desire your prayers. Man, we're so thankful. God's good, isn't he? I'm telling you, that's a blessing, folks. A baby is a blessing to a family. Not just to that immediate family, but the whole family. And that little girl's a blessing unto us. And it's an answered prayer for us. Um, me and Brandy never experienced what it was like to want a child and not be able to have one. But I've seen the Lord answer that prayer in our family twice. I can only imagine what that's like for a husband and a wife to want a uh, baby so bad and not be able to have one. And um, I've seen it happen with Eric and Eric. You know, we prayed for them, and the Lord poured out a double blessing on them. They got two babies at one time, and uh, we're thankful for that. And I became an uncle the first time then. And then uh, Bradley and Brandy last week, that's a prayer that we've been praying for over 10 years. And I know some of you have been praying as well. And it's just a miracle that God has sent to us. and We praise him for it. So continue to remember them in your prayers, but it is so good to be back with you tonight. Take your Bibles, turn them please to Revelation chapter number 4. And we're going to continue where we left off last time we were together. And Lord willing, we're going to finish what we started in Revelation 4 and then move on uh, next week to our discussion of the worship service that happens around the throne. But tonight, I want to continue talking about the rapture of the church. Um, let's look with me there, if you will, at these first two verses. John writes this. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat there on the throne. And so if you remember, last time we were together, we said that uh, Revelation 4, verses 1 and 2, is a perfect picture painted by John of the rapture of the church. John is symbolic of the church. He called himself the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. John and Jesus had a special relationship. I mean, they really did. Uh, John is the one who stood at the foot of the cross, and Jesus looked over at John and said, John, behold, now this is your mother. And he looked at his mother, Mary, and he said, Mother, now this is your son. And uh, John and Jesus had that special relationship, and we said that was symbolic of Jesus and the church. The church is the bride of Christ, and 
there is no more special relationship beyond uh, among human beings that we know of than that of a husband and a wife. And so um, Jesus, I believe, um, is, and in his word is showing us the rapture of the church right here in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Uh, now, there's several reasons I believe that, and I'm just going to give you a few of them. Um, first of all, I believe this symbolizes the rapture of the church um, because we don't see the church mentioned again in the book of Revelation from Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation 18. Now in Revelation chapter 19, you're going to see the church mentioned again when they come back with the Lord Jesus from heaven in his army. And that's always an exciting verse of scripture to me. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit tonight. I can't wait till we get over there and look at that um, when time comes. But the church is not mentioned from 4 to 18. Also, we see here in uh, the worship service going on around the throne, there's several different groups of people that are worshiping. Now, there's a mention here in verse number uh, four of the 24 elders. And when we look at this next week, we'll look at this at more in depth. But the 24 elders represent the ones who have been born again, uh, the ones who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And we'll look at that again next week uh, more in depth. Also, uh, we see in Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 6 the beginning of the great tribulation. Now, the tribulation that's going to take place after the rapture is um, the wrath of God being poured out on an unrepentant world, on a world that's rejected his son. Well, folks, I want to tell you something. According to my Bible, the child of God has been saved from the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus. See, when we placed our faith in Christ, the Bible says we were born again into his family. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9 says we are saved from God's wrath by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood. That blood was applied to my heart and life the moment I placed my faith in him. Romans 8 and 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So I don't believe for one minute we're going to go through one minute of tribulation, um, I think we are raptured before the tribulation time comes. And so those are all the reasons I believe in a, what we call a, uh, uh, a pre-trib belief. We believe we're going to be raptured before the great tribulation. Now then, there's two things that I really want to look at tonight. And, and some of it's going to be reviewed, some of it's not. But um, two truths concerning the rapture um, of the church. First of all, the rapture and the second coming are two separate occurrences in Scripture. Now, if you don't get a hold of that, you're always going to be confused as to what the Bible says concerning the end time prophecy. You're always going to be confused as to the timeline of all of this taking place and how it fits with the Word of God. So we need to know the rapture and the second coming are two separate things. According to Scripture, um, they're, they're, they're two separate things. We saw the last time we were together, week before last, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, um, that there were four things that happened with the rapture of the church. We see the outline of it there. First of all, we noticed that there was a descent of the Lord Jesus from the third heaven unto the clouds. That happened in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to flip over there and read that. You can if you choose to. But I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. So if you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. And write down any of these scriptures that you need if you don't have time or choose not to look at it. I want you to see for yourself what God's word says concerning prophecy and concerning the rapture. Now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 16, the Bible says the Lord himself, Jesus himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. So according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the first thing that's going to happen at the rapture of the church is Jesus descending from the third heaven unto the clouds. Now he's descending in fulfillment of a promise. How do you understand that's what the rapture is? Now let me ask you tonight. How many of you as children of God are thankful that God always keeps his promises? Now Jesus, God the Son and the Son of God, uh, made a promise unto his disciples in John chapter 14. If you remember, we studied in the book of John. Uh, we saw in the 13th chapter, Jesus looked at his disciples there after the Last Supper and he said, Guys, I'm going away. Where I'm going, you can't come. And I can only imagine how those disciples felt 
when the ones they had left their life for, the ones they had given their life to, uh, Jesus, uh, if you remember, when he called them, they left everything they had. They left their job, their family, their circle of friends, um, everything they knew to be home, they left it. And they followed wholeheartedly after the Lord for about three and a half years in his earthly ministry. And then all of a sudden he says, guess what, guys? Now that you've left everything, you can't come with me. I can imagine how that made them feel. I can imagine how discouraged and depressed they were. And he, and he goes on and says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't fear over this. Don't fret over this. And he promises them in John chapter 14, he says it like this, verse number 3. He says, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that I may return again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so he promised his disciples that he would come again. He's not going to leave them in this world, but he would come again and receive his people unto himself. And so the, the rapture is a fulfillment of the promise of Jesus himself. And so when he descends from the third heaven to the clouds, I want you to know it's a fulfillment of his precious promise. Not only is there the sin of Jesus, but also we see the dead in Christ rising. Verse 16 tells us, for the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who have died in Jesus, those believers who have died in the flesh, the Bible says they're going to rise from the grave to receive their new resurrected bodies. And folks, I don't know about you, but that excites me. It ought to excite you if you've got loved ones in the grave. I've got a brother. I've got uh, uh, three grandmas. I've got uh, two grandpas, uh, excuse me, th four grandpas now. I don't know what I mean. I've got uh, several people that, are, that have died in Jesus. And I'm thankful that one day they will be raised again to receive their new body. That ought to be a comfort to you. That ought to be something that excites you as a believer. Now, you may say, well, brother, I thought you told us that whenever we die, we go to be with the Lord. Didn't you tell us that? Absolutely, I told you that. And I told you that for a reason, because the Bible teaches that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8, the apostle Paul said it like this. He said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that good? That means when I die, when I take my last breath on earth as a believer, I take my first breath in heaven. All I'm doing is really just changing addresses. That's all death is for the believer. This old flesh, this old uh, uh, earthly home that I'm living in will go back to the dust from whence it came. And my spirit, my soul, which has been saved, which has been born again, will go to be with the Lord. And I'll, ever have, I'll forever have everlasting life. What a blessing that truly is. Now then, let me ask you this. If we're already in heaven, how can we rise from the grave? Watch. Look what it says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, those who have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. That means the souls of all the saints who have died in the flesh, Jesus will bring back with him to the clouds. And at one instance, listen to me now, the Bible says in a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ is going to rise, listen, with their new resurrected body, and their new resurrected body is going to meet with their soul in the air. That means everybody that's been born in a, or, or buried in a tomb, every believer that's been buried at sea, if there's a believer that's been blowed up in the atmosphere, every molecule of that body will come together in resurrection to meet their soul that is with Jesus. You say, brother, how is that possible? Well, don't ask me that. I can't tell you how that's possible. I got a quote, Dr. Johnny Mays. He said, I'm not in management, I'm in sales. <laughs> Folks, I don't know how that's possible, but I know my God is able. And that's the blessed hope of the believer. Praise God, he hadn't lied to me yet. He ain't failed me yet, and I don't think he's going to start now, do you? Amen. We can trust in what God says. And we'll look more at that in just a little bit. So we have the descent of the Lord Jesus. We have the dead in Christ rising. But then we see also the removal of all Christians living. Look at verse 17. 
It says, For then, then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. Now I've heard a lot of liberal theologians and, and a lot of people who try to discredit what God's word say, says. They'll, they'll say things like, well, um, they want to doubt the coming of Jesus or kind of try to discredit the rapture of the church. And they say things like, well, Paul said, we which are alive and remain. He believed he would be alive when Jesus came back. And I agree with him. That's exactly what Paul believed. He thought he would be alive when Jesus came back to rapture the church. But Paul was a man just like we are men and women, mere human beings who don't have the full knowledge of God. Jesus said nobody knows the hour or the time when Jesus will come back to receive his church unto himself. None of us know. But I'll tell you this. I know we're a lot closer now than when Paul wrote it right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Who are them? The dead in Christ, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, praise God. We have a blessed hope as believers. This world is not my home. Not your home either, child of God. You have something much better to look forward to. And one day Jesus will fulfill his promise to come back and receive his church unto himself. Now there's another good thing that happens. There's the transformation of our physical bodies. We looked at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, verse number 52. Watch this. The Bible says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Watch this and shall be changed. Verse 53 says for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That means those who are alive and remain living in this mortal flesh will put on immortality and receive new bodies. And the Bible says in 1 John we're going to be just as Jesus is. Wow. So in scripture, would you agree with me tonight when I say the rapture and the second coming are two separate things? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 outlines the rapture. Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 21, well that's going to outline the second coming. A lot of people call it the second advent of Jesus. Now when it says the second advent, that just means the time when Jesus will come and step foot on planet earth. And set up his earthly kingdom. You see it also in Matthew chapter number 24. Jesus gives us a lot of what's going to happen before the second coming. And if we have time tonight, we're going to look at some of that. I'm not going to flip over to Revelation 19. Uh, we'll look at a verse or two there in a minute. Um, but I'm, I'm going to wait till we get there before we go through all of that. And really, really take a, a good hard look at it. But what I do want to do tonight um, for just a moment. I want to give you. A, a timeline of how all these things are going to take place. Th that has really helped me in, in the understanding of prophecy more than anything else. To really see how all of this is going to fit. Now I'm not going to give you um, actual dates because we certainly don't know the actual dates. But we know the order of events. And that's really what we're going to look at. Alright. So. Well, i tell you what. We are hurting for some. We're going to start with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, that started everything for us. That started everything for the church. That started everything for the body of Christ. And then we know 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection that first Easter morning, Fifty days after that, we had the day of Pentecost. And that became that was the birth of the church. Now 
You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God came as a rushing mighty wind in Acts chapter 2 and filled all of those 120 believers that were there in Jerusalem. The church was born. Now then, after the day of Pentecost, the, the birth of the church, then we have what's called the church age. And that's where we're living right now. We're in the midst of the church age. We studied, um, according to Scripture in Revelation, the church age and the seven letters to the seven churches. Uh, we studied that in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. Now, in the next event on the prophetic calendar or the timeline, the order of events that's going to take place is the rapture of the church. The time when we are called up. Remember we said the Greek word is harpazo or snatched away. When we are snatched out of this world and brought home to be with the Lord. So the next thing that we are to look to is the rapture of the church. After the rapture of the church we know there's going to be seven years total of tribulation. In the middle of that seven years the first is going to be three and a half years of peace and prosperity on this earth under the leadership of the Antichrist. The, the last three and a half years in these seven years is going to be the time when all hell breaks loose on, on earth. And then at the end of those seven years of tribulation, we know there's going to be a thousand year. Oh, that's not even right anymore. I apologize. After the end of the... Uh, the seven years of great tribulation, there's going to be a thousand year millennial reign. That's outlined for you in Revelation chapter uh, number 20. Uh, you're going to see that. You'll see there's a thousand year millennial, the millennial, or what we call the millennial reign of Christ. I remember when I was a little boy, I always thought, man, it's going to rain for a thousand years. But that's, I'm not saying R-A-I-N, I'm sorry, I'm saying R-E-I-G-N, right? So there's going to be a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus upon this earth when it's going to be all about Jesus. I mean, everything's going to be about Jesus. He's going to rule and reign on this earth uh, a thousand years, the Bible says. So that's kind of what we're, what we're looking at. Now, the next thing I want to do is give you some contrasting differences between the rapture and the second coming, all right? Number one, Christ come, in, in the rapture, Christ comes for his saints, now, where do we see that? We see it in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17, that he's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. Uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, uh, and then those that are alive and remain will be changed to be like him, and will meet the Lord in the air, and will ever be with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. Then we uh, see in the second coming there's something completely different. It's not that Christ comes for his saints, but Christ comes with his saints, Revelation chapter 19. Who would like to read tonight? Anybody? Lacey, read Revelation 19, 14. Okay. So, do you remember me telling you when we were talking about what it means to be saved, and I preached that series of sermons that not only are we born again into the family of God, but we're also enlisted in the army of God when we get saved. We become a, a soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told Timothy, and that's what we are. And I want you to know one day we're going to come back with the Lord Jesus in his army um, at the end of the great tribulation to fight in the battle of Armageddon. And that's a pretty exciting time. We'll look more at that in depth when we get over there. Now, in the rapture, the church meets Jesus in the air. We go to meet him. In the second coming, Jesus steps foot on earth to wage war uh, against the armies of this earth. And we find that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 21. Anybody got that? Revelation 19, 21. Read that for us, Johnny. So we've got um, Jesus coming back, the Bible says, as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to pronounce judgment upon this world. And that brings me to the next point. And, and uh, the rapture, Jesus comes with blessing on his mind. 
Do you know that? Think about all the blessings that come with the rapture. One great blessing I can think of is I'm leaving this world to go to a better place. Praise God, I ain't got to worry about a power bill anymore. That's a blessing in itself. You ain't got to worry about any of the things you've got to worry about here. We're going home to be with Jesus. And what a blessing uh, that truly is for those who have trusted uh, in the Lord. I'm going to receive a new body, the Bible says. This mortality is going to put on immortality. This corruptible flesh is going to put on incorruption. I'm going to be just like Jesus is in my new body. And folks, that's a great blessing for the believer. I'm going to be reunited with my loved ones that's gone on to be with the Lord. What a great blessing that is. See, everything about the rapture, Jesus has blessing on his mind according to his people, his church, um, his bride. Now then, when he comes back in the second coming, he don't have blessing on his mind. He's got judgment on his mind. He don't have blessing on his mind. He's got war on his mind. And that's what he's coming to do when we see him in Revelation 19. Two completely different occurrences. And when you try to mix those two together, man, you'll always stay confused concerning prophecy. Now then, let me give you one more. The rapture is imminent. How many know what I mean when I say that we believe in the imminent return of Christ? Well, that means right, it can happen right now. That means there is absolutely nothing that has to take place for Jesus to come back and rapture his church. Nothing has to happen for that. I mean, it can happen in the next five seconds. It can happen in the next 50 years, 500 years. I don't know. But nothing else on the prophetic calendar has to happen for the church to be raptured. We believe um, when God gets ready to send Jesus, when God the Father gets ready to send his son back for us, um, that he's coming and nothing else has to happen for it. But now the second coming, there's a di there, there, that's different. Several things have to happen before the second coming or the second advent actually takes place. There are signs the Bible gives as to what is going to take place. The same way that happened with Jesus in his first coming or his first advent. Uh, when he came the first time as a baby in Bethlehem, uh, do you know that there were 333 prophecies fulfilled concerning the first coming of Jesus? Now let that roll around just a minute. 333 Separate individual prophecies were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus. 333 signs. Folks, if that's a coincidence, it's a very big coincidence. I mean a very big coincidence. Let me give you some things that I've, I've thought about and I've come across this week that's such a blessing to me. Um, do you know to get struck by lightning, it's a 1 in 700,000 chance that you'll get struck by lightning? That's a pretty big chance, isn't it? Do you know for a person to become president of the United States of America, it's a 1 in 10 million chance? It's a pretty big chance. Do you know that uh, for a person to get heat, hit by a meteorite from space, it's a 1 in 180 million chance? That's a big chance. And I want you to think about this. The probability of Jesus fulfilling by coincidence just eight of the prophecies that were prophesied concerning him, just eight of them, is a one to ten to the 28th power. Now let me tell you what that means. That means a ten, a comma, and 28 zeros behind it. Folks, it's not by chance that Jesus come exactly how the Bible said he was going to come. That's all according to God's plan. That's all according to God's signs um, about his first coming or his first advent. Now again, not just eight were fulfilled, but 333 fulfilled. Wow. I'm talking about stuff like um, who he would be born to, what people he would be born to, what tribe of that people he would be born to, where he would be born, when he would be born, how he would be born. All of that was prophesied perfectly in the Old Testament concerning the Lord Jesus. That does not just happen. That happened according to God's plan and timing. Now let me ask you this. If God fulfilled all of those first signs and we could trust all of those first signs in the first coming of Jesus, should we not be able to trust the signs for the second coming? 
Well, I would think so. If God's batting a thousand so far according to his prophecy, I think we can trust it. Not one of them has failed yet. So let's look at some of those signs concerning the second coming of the second advent. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 24. What time we got? Okay. Look in Matthew chapter 24. And let's start with verse 1. Now, the first thing that I want you to know about Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is dealing with the second coming of Jesus. The second advent of Jesus. We see it in verse 27. Everybody look down at verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So Matthew 24 is prophetic about, is prophecy about uh, the second coming or the second advent of Christ. Now look how, how we know this. Look in the first verse. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all of these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign, watch this now, of thy coming? And he says, and of the end, and they say, and of the end of the world. Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them. So what's Jesus telling them about? He's telling them about the signs of his second coming and the end of the world. Get that. Don't miss that. You also need to notice the setting of how all this is happening, the place where it's happening. First of all, it's happening in Jerusalem. How do you know Jerusalem is home of the Jews? Amen? It's happening there around a specific building, the temple. The temple, um, is, is, uh, that's according to Jewish tradition, Jewish worship. He's talking to a group of Jewish men, his disciples. He's telling them about what's going to happen at his second coming. Now, why am I telling you all this, folks? I'm telling you all this because we need to understand the great tribulation is not as much for the Gentile as it is the Jew. The great tribulation, those seven and a half years upon this earth, is God dealing with his chosen people concerning his son. And we're going to see that the more we get into the book of Revelation. But I want you to know, Jesus is telling um, these Jewish men what's going to happen at his second coming. Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, how many of you know that's happened throughout the, all the ages of the church? There have been many people throughout the 2,000-year history of the church that have claimed to be uh, the Lord Jesus. But I want you to also understand it's ramped up as, as the church has gotten older. In the first 1,800 years of the church, in that recorded history, we only have 18 people who claimed to be Jesus in the flesh in the first 1,800 years. Now, I, or excuse me, 15 people. Now, 15 people don't sound like a lot, but really that's too many. Anybody claiming to be Jesus is too many, but that's all we had in the first 1,800 years, just 15 people. From 1791 to 1993, in roughly the last 200 years, we've had 44 people on record claiming uh, to be Jesus. It's ramped up considerably just in the last 200 years. We know some of them. If you remember, David Koresh from Waco, Texas in 1993 uh, with the Branch Davidians, he uh, uh, he claimed to be Jesus in the flesh. A lot of people was um, deceived by that. A lot of people died because of that. If you remember Sun Young Moon of the late 70s, early 80s, and throughout the 80s, some of them still around today, uh, he claimed to be an incarnation of the Lord Jesus. I watched a documentary on, I think it was uh, Dateline last Saturday night about a group of people in Australia in the 90s called The Family. It was a cult. Um, who the leader of that cult, which was a woman, I can't remember her name, she claimed to be an incarnation of Jesus. What I'm telling you is that has ramped up considerably, considerably in the last 200, 250 years. So we're seeing that sign fulfilling. Now let's go on to the next one. Look at verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things 
must come to, ca come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, don't quote me on this, but I read this just the other day, and I thought it was amazing. I think it was throughout the recorded history that we have of this world, there's only been like 268 years um, of, of peace on the earth. Out of 6,000, only 268 peaceful years. There's always been wars. But I want to tell you, in the last 100 years, we saw a great increase in wars. As a matter of fact, in the last 100 years, we saw over 100 major wars. Um, 11 uh, wars that claimed millions upon millions of lives across the earth. We've seen wars in our lifetime, and folks, we're hearing rumors of wars every day. If you don't believe me, turn on your news. I'll read your newspaper. Uh, we know all that's happening with North Korea not, right now and Syria right now. And there's rumors of what we're going to do and what they're doing and what they're going to do. What I'm telling you is we can take God's word in the newspaper, put them side by side and see that it's fulfilling day by day and quicker than ever. And watch what else he says. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Now, I love that. A child of God, you need to see that. See that you be not troubled. Why? Because we have a blessed hope. We don't have to sit around and chew our fingernails to the bone about what's happening today or what might happen tomorrow because we know God the Father, whom we call our Daddy God because of faith in Jesus, has everything under control. He knows exactly what's taking place. Let me quote Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers said it like this. The world looks outside and says, man, it's getting dark. The child of God looks outside and says, it's getting gloriously dark. See, all of these things have to come to pass before Jesus can come and set right what sin and the enemy has set wrong. And so we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus. This is not something we have to worry or fear or dread. Um, we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. All these things must come to pass. But you just keep trusting in the Lord. He says, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Are we seeing that? If you believe it, say amen. amen. <laughs> nation against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. There are more famines and pestilences upon the earth today than ever before. We're more educated than we've ever been. We know how to grow food better than we've ever known how to grow it, and there's more famine now than there's ever been in the history of the world. All these things are more frequent, every one of them. Earthquakes. Since 2001, we've had more earthquakes in, the, in those last, this is 2017, so in the last 16, 17 years, we've had more earthquakes upon this earth than ever before in history. What is that telling us? Well, I believe the frequency of all of these signs coming to pass is letting us know time is drawing nigh for the coming of the Lord Jesus. He says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, ladies, you know what he's talking about here when Jesus says the beginning of sorrows. He's talking about the labor pains, the birth pains that he mother and expecting mother experiences before birth. What he's saying is a lady knows when that baby's about to come, when the time draweth nigh. And he said all these things that you're seeing are just like those birth pains. It's letting you know the time's drawing nigh. That's what we're seeing. I was sitting over at the hospital last Thursday evening about this time. And while I was in that room, I saw a screen over there that was showing the contractions that Brandy was having and when she, when she was having them. It started off when I came in the room at about, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes apart. And I, and I got to look and I noticed, you know, every time she would holler over there in the bed or whimper or try to cry a little bit, those lines on that screen would go up and down a little bit further. And the nurse came in. Uh, she was looking at the, uh, at the screen there, and I said, well, from what I can tell, nurse, the contractions are about two and a half, three minutes apart. If you need anything else, just let me know. <laughs> and she laughed. <laughs> she laughed and said, well, I'll sure do that. And so uh, she walked on out. But sure enough, it went from about five minutes, and the contractions were, I don't know how she was feeling. I've never felt that, never want to, but 
I could tell she wasn't feeling real good at five minutes, but when it got to four minutes and three minutes, down to two minutes, two and a half minutes, I could see that there was greater frequency, but I could also see um, there were stronger contractions. Does that make sense? I, I noticed that. All that was happening right there. And so I prayed for and got on out. I mean, I knew. <laughs> I knew something was fixing to take place. I offered help, but I wasn't really wanting to help. I mean, I... So I got on out of there. I could tell something was about to go down here. And um, that's exactly the picture that's being painted for us in Scripture. All of these things that we're seeing more frequent um, are just signs that the end draweth nigh. Now then, let's go on and let's look at one more verse, two more verses. Look down, verse number 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We are seeing a turning away, especially in this country, from the faith. Many are being deceived. I'm telling you, I see some of the stuff that, and hear some of the stuff that's being preached uh, and taught on television and what I hear sometimes on the radio, this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, um, gospel that's not at all scriptural. And, and what I'm seeing is many being led astray by that stuff. I'm talking about you can fill stadiums with that kind of preaching because it feeds the flesh. But when you actually start saying what the Bible says about how we all need Jesus because we're lost and undone, sinners standing in need of a Savior, usually people don't like hearing that. Right? We've come in the time that Paul cautioned Timothy about when he said there'll come a time when people's got some itching ears. And they'll heap to themselves teachers that are going to tickle those itching ears. <laughs> the love of many are waxing cold. Many are offended at the truth. Many are turning away from the faith. I read to you a statistic um, Sunday evening that we are certainly not proud of, but in the Southern Baptist Convention throughout Southern Baptist churches, about 70% of them, according to a survey done in 2005, are either, have either plateaued in growth or declining in membership. 70%. Now, it's been my experience, any statistic that was from 2005 has just got worse now that it's 2017. I don't know that, but brother, we've seen Sunday morning... Um, Things just keep getting worse, don't they? Brother Ben shared with us some things that, some statistics about the home and the family and what it means to be a man of God and a man in your home and how that affects people, how those statistics gradually gotten worse over time. And that's what we're seeing in the church. Sad. Verse 11 says, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. That's exactly what we're seeing. Now, folks, all of these things that we're talking about, the Bible says, are the beginning of sorrows. That signs that's letting us know Jesus is coming back for the second time. Now then, if the second coming of Jesus is no less than seven years after the rapture, and we're already seeing signs for the second coming, then the rapture has got to be at the door. Do you agree? I believe so. I believe so. We need to know that the rapture and the second coming are two separate occurrences. But we also need to know, number two, the rapture affects everyone. It affects those who have died in Christ. We saw how that the rapture at the trump of God, the dead in Christ, shall rise first have their new resurrected body, be reunited with their loved ones, and called home to be with Jesus forever. We see also that the rapture affects those that are alive and remain. Those who are alive when Jesus comes back will be changed in the twinkling of an eye to meet him in the air. It's going to affect us greatly. But let me tell you who else it's going to affect. Those who don't know Jesus. Because those who don't know Jesus will not be taken with him. They'll be left here to endure seven and a half years of tribulation, of which God pours out his wrath on an unbelieving world. If there's ever been a time when he'd be preaching the gospel, it's now. 
There's never been a time we'd be sharing with lost friends, lost family members, it's now. And if you're here tonight and you're lost, if there's ever been a time if you get saved, it's now. Trust in Jesus now. I believe our redemption draws nigh. Comments or questions? Prayer request. Yes. Yes, sir, we sure will. Anyone else? Amen. Any unspoken to see? Yes. Any others? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Okay. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Amen. That's good. Isn't it? I love when that happens. Amen. Isn't that great when God just gives you what you need right when you need it? Amen. That's good stuff. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He wants to get well enough where he can come hear you. Yes, sir. Okay. Anyone else? for Brother Thomas, Miss Brenda. I talked to them yesterday. I was able to go by and see him for a little while. And he's, he's having a rough time right now. Um, hadn't been able to eat anything for about the last two weeks. I think Brenda said he's down to about 123 pounds. He's struggling. Pray for him. And I told him what I want to tell you tonight. I hadn't give up on him. We're going to keep praying for him. Because we know that God is able. We, never, we don't know what kind of plan God has for him and Miss Brenda and their family. And so we're going to trust God that he touches in that situation. Now I know whatever happens, Brother Thomas is a winner either way. I know that brother's led to meet the Lord. But I also know um, he wants more time with his family. Pray for that. Pray for his healing. Um, also, guys, they called me this evening. And I need to meet with all of our men before you leave tonight. Men of the church, meet with me right up here for just a minute before we leave. I want to talk to you about some things we need to do at Brother Thomas's, Miss Brenda's, okay? Um, something else I was going to tell you. Maybe I'll remember it later. Everybody stand up. We certainly want to pray for those who have lost loved ones this week. Uh, like Brother Lynn said, um, Harry Holloway, his family, uh, he lost his dad this week in a terrible way. And so pray for Harry and um, the, all the Holloways as they, they deal with that loss. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your promise that you're one day going to come back and receive us into yourself, that where you are, there we may be also. Lord, we can comfort one another with these words because it's a comfort to the believer. We have a blessed hope. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, tonight for the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, to take these truths, apply them to our lives, and go out and tell somebody about you. We believe our redemption draws nigh. We pray for all these many prayer requests that's been mentioned this evening. We ask, Lord Jesus, uh, that you have your way and will in every one of them. For those who are physically sick, would you bring healing to their bodies? Those who are spiritually sick, God, we pray that you do by your power what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray and for your sake. Amen.